0: coming up on stew does america medicare for all is kind of like dating a new person seems great at first and then you get to know them Ugh, it all turns around robbie suave from reason joins us to help you understand why the democrats have rejected the most woke amongst them and surely this will get them canceled of course by tomorrow afternoon and grant stinchfield stops by to discuss liberty and prosperity plus which Democratic candidate wants to take all of that away as fast as possible. Uh, don't forget to click the bell for notifications on YouTube and rate and review this podcast with five glorious stars. Always remember the phrase, it's great, whatever. Because that's how I know you're one of the cool kids. Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com stew. And make sure you use the code stew because you'll save 10 bucks. And that's how they know that you like this stupid show.
1: Stu Does America.
0: Welcome to the program. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. And thank you for coming by. My My name is Stu Bergier, And I don't know if you know this, but I'm very good looking. Very good. I'm incredibly rich. Mm Mm-hmm. That's me. And I have the physical stamina of a free-range stallion galloping on the beach. And I also forgot to mention for this segment, you're going to have to need A little suspension of disbelief would be useful here. With all this in mind, will you marry me? Okay, we got the poll results coming in. I'm watching the monitor a little bit high. Okay, looking. uh, Okay, all right. uh, Poll results are in. Uh, Apparently, not all of you are able to suspend quite enough disbelief. But 56% of you would marry me. 42% are mortified/slash physically repulsed, and that's a lot better than reality. So thank you for that. Before we start booking the honeymoon, though, you probably should know a couple details or two. I'm a big snorer. I'm sorry about that. My hygiene has been rated as below acceptable by various physicians and also by most people just kind of passing by in my general area. I am on a path to weigh about 455 pounds by next fall. Now, I'm not saying I committed the crime documented in Making a Murderer, but I was in Wisconsin a lot in 2005. Oh, and I'm pretty sure I had COVID-19 and and, and COVID-20, but I'm not quite sure about the 20 part. Now, think about it again, all this information in your head. Now, would you marry me? Let's see. All right. Uh, oh, gosh. Uh Not really sure a poll can go to negative 27, but coincidentally, that is the score I usually get when rated on a 1 to 10 scale. The point is, it's hard to answer a question when you don't have all the information, isn't it? Sure, I sound like a dreamboat when all that you knew was I was rich and good looking. But when you know that you're also on a bullet train to a snoring, obese, and unshowered murder suspect whose internal organs are more than three quarters filled with coronavirus, you might change your mind. This is the situation for Medicare for All. A recent Kaiser poll shows that a majority of Americans, 56 percent, and 81 percent of Democrats support a national health care plan. Remember when that guy was on TV? On the surface, of course, that is true. 56 percent of Americans say they want Medicare for all and only 42 percent oppose it. It's polling like this that has basically every one of the 449 Democratic presidential candidates supporting it. And when you pile on the most talked about features of Medicare for All, the popularity goes through the roof. People are not going to pay any premiums. They're not going to pay any deductibles. They're not going to pay any copayments. So if you call a premium a tax, we're getting rid of that.
2: A significant
1: feature of Medicare for All is that it pays for long-term care, both long-term care in a facility and long-term care at home. Health care is a human right whether you're old or young or rich or poor. Healthcare is a basic human right.
0: This sounds awesome. I mean, when you tell people they're going to be getting all this fabulous healthcare systems for for free, all the benefits for nothing, with no premiums, no out-of-pocket expenses, you get all the way up to 67% support. Now, you're totally lying to them, but congratulations, two out of three of these dullards actually believe you. If Medicare for All makes healthcare a human right, or a human right, as Bernie would say, then 71% support it. I mean, that sounds pretty great, just like my stallion-like endurance. Quick side note, remember Democrats love to make everything that isn't a right into a right, like health care and high-speed Wi-Fi and marshmallow rainbow unicorns. I love those too. But when it comes to Second Amendment rights that you actually have already, you know, defending your life, your liberty, your property, they're busy taking that one away. It's something to think about before you go to the polls this season. So let me ask uh, those exact same people from the poll if they want Medicare for All after they actually get the most basic information about it. Medicare for All will eliminate private insurance. The plan uh, you like right now is going to turn into the plan that you used to have. And don't try to get it again because it's now illegal. If private insurance is eliminated, support for Medicare for all drops by 19 points to only 37 percent. Opposition is 58 percent. So just with that small piece of information about how the plan would actually operate, you go from America favoring Medicare for all by 14 points to opposing it by 21 Similar things happen when you tell people that their free health care doesn't happen to be free. When told that most Americans are going to pay more in taxes, only 37 percent of people support Medicare for all and 60 percent oppose. It is underwater by 23 points. That's why you saw a lot of Democrats, uh, shall we say, uh, adjust their messaging. It sure will help,
1: I think, if, if we can take steps like what I'm proposing with Medicare for All Who want it to make sure everybody's covered and no one's falling through the cracks.
0: I believe the best and boldest idea here is to not trash Obamacare, but to do exactly what Barack Obama wanted to do from the beginning, and that's have a public option. I believe we have to protect and build on Obamacare. That's why I proposed adding a public option to Obamacare as the best way to lower costs and cover everyone. Mm, Medicare for those who want it. It's an interesting slogan. In theory, it at least preserves your choice to stay out of their miserable dystopia of a system. The long term reality is a totally different story, but we'll leave that alone today. The problem with this new branding slapped on single payer healthcare is that eventually Medicare for all becomes Medicare for those who know something about it. And when that knowledge shows up, everybody runs for the hills. As anyone who has ever looked at these things knows, single payer government healthcare always, and I mean, always leads to delays in treatment usually those delays can be horrific and cause people untold pain and suffering and often death but even if you undersell the darkest consequences and just tell people it'll lead to delays in some medical tests and treatments support drops uh, from the mainstream media headline of 56 percent all the way down to 26 percent a full 70% of Americans don't want this system if it causes any delay in treatment, which it will, I promise you. How do people fall for this stuff? How does it happen? It's because most of their information is coming from people like this.
1: Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population 327000000 million. Uh, don't tell us if you're ahead of us on the math. He could have given each American $1. Million dollars and I've had lunch money left over. It's an incredible way of putting it.
0: It's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. It does. It does suggest, you know, what we're talking about here, which is there, there's too much money in politics. Uh- it is an incredible way of putting it like the opposite of credible. Because it would have cost Bloomberg three hundred and thirty trillion dollars to do that. But there wasn't even a minute of hesitation there. That didn't sound the least bit outlandish to two reporters at America's highest levels of journalism. It's also why spending $97 trillion over a decade on free everything for everyone doesn't sound outlandish either. Of course we can afford it. If Michael Bloomberg can give everyone a million dollars, why can't we have free health care? Too many people are focused on too many things to know every detail of the horrors of of Medicare for all. But there's no reason the media can't give them the basic information. And when the American people get the basic information, they want no part of Medicare for All. Let's just hope that happens before it's too late. Who does America? It has been a crazy week. I mean, this election, the Super Tuesday was wild. I'm very tired. Um, This is like one of those weeks where this feels like it's almost like a real job. There's a lot going on. Robbie Suave is here with us. He's a senior editor at Reason and a former Forbes 30 Under 30 member and author of Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. He's also the creator of a brand new video game, Breadline Battles, Players must successfully navigate a society short on food while not getting robbed or killed. I guess it's the first socialist video game, and I can't wait to play it. Robbie, thanks for coming on the program.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: You uh, wrote a really uh, interesting piece for Reason, and I th- you brought up a, a, really, a really good point, which is there was a lot of attention um, and, and adoration sort of uh, foisted upon a lot of these candidates. There was a sort of a selection process that went on with the media, and that selection process was an absolute catastrophe.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, voters could not possibly have had less interest in the candidates that were preferred by the media. Um, the New York Times endorsed Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar. Um, there was profile after fawning media profile of, uh, of O'Rourke of 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 mayor pete Mm -hmm. uh kamala harris was beloved by the media for a while and but so the media uh made it seem like you know these more progressive more interesting more intersectional candidates it was going to be one of them when really all along polls suggested that actual democratic primary voters preferred biden and bernie they preferred the oldest whitest (laughs) men in the race um they they could not have less interest in the kind of uh sort of intersectional identity politics that media pundits love so much
0: yeah and and it seems like there was a real pushback against the, this idea of uh, this sort of over wokeness right where every single group um is being sort of pandered to i mean elizabeth warren may have been the worst offender here But it seemed like everyone came up with their way of pandering to a specific special interest group Um, and that as they all sort of fought and climbed over each other to try to get further and further down that road, the Democratic voters seemed to want to go the opposite direction.
2: Yeah. Elizabeth Warren suggested that a transgender child should be the person to pick the next secretary of education. (laughs) Elizabeth Warren uh, uses the term uh, Latin Latinx Latinx Mm. to refer to Latino people, even though that is activist uh, uh, vocabulary that ninety nine point nine nine percent of Latino people do not like and do not use. This is you know, this was a campaign. Um, conducted using the language of the far left woke progressives. It's just not popular with the rest of the country. And I think conservatives sometimes think it's just not popular with them. It's not popular with Democrats either. There are more moderate or culturally moderate Democrats than are than it seems because there's no one speaking for them ever. The media does not speak for them. Um, and, and they are, they are, they have been, they were ignored (laughs) through the coverage of this race until finally it was time for them to make themselves heard. And when they made themselves heard, they indicated, no, you know what? We like the former vice president. We like... Uh, Bernie Sanders, because, the, you know, they're the most they're the best known candidates. Um, <laughs> they don't care that they don't check off enough boxes that they don't satir- satisfy like an Oberlin College undergraduates requirements for who should be president. They just don't care.
0: Yeah. It's, and it's interesting to see the reaction after it doesn't work. Warren and specifically since Elizabeth Warren steps out, I've seen countless think pieces about how the reason she didn't win is She was so successful and so capable, and the American people just couldn't deal with her because she was a woman. They can't deal with a successful woman. They can't deal with a a woman who fights back. That is, it's on us, and we're going to have women's studies essays written for a very long time on this topic. But in reality, what they're doing seemingly, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they're criticizing their own voters. I didn't vote in their primary. I don't think you voted in their primary. Somebody voted in their primary, and when they voted, they didn't choose her.
2: She didn't win her own state. She didn't do well in states you know that were in her part of the country. Mm. Uh, look, I, I you know I can't write off sexism entirely as an explanation for her not doing well, but but you would to say that was like the main thing or an important thing, you would need evidence. You need powerful evidence to suggest that. I don't really see any, and they never bring that up. You know when it's well, why didn't Amy Klobuchar do better? Why isn't Tulsi Gabbard doing better? Why you know, th- this was for some reason this was only an explanation um, leveled at uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, like, it's simply the case that her policies, her personality, and her and her, uh, her cultural kind of signaling, her social signaling, is the kind of thing many in the media like and agree with. So they didn't even understand why other people weren't supporting her. Actually, Matt Iglesias of Vox, Vox.com with a V, had to write a piece that was headlined like, uh, why, why Elizabeth Warren is losing even though all your friends like her. You know, you being the audience of Vox, the kind of, you know, the graduate, uh, the college graduate or upper upper level uh, uh, kind of uh, di- disproportionately white, actually. Uh, but people interested in kind of racial identity politics um, who love her. it just didn't sell well in the rest of the country. That's
0: actually pretty self-aware. That's a that's a pretty funny. Uh, it's a pretty funny concept <laughs> uh, from Vox there. I, I wonder, is there a, a certain level of this, uh, Robbie, where um you know, the American people, conservative, liberal, libertarian, anything, I think, generally speaking, want people to be able to live their lives, want people to be able to, you know, if 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 they if you're doing something in your lifestyle that's different than, you know, what that person's doing, whatever, we're, we're pretty much OK with it. Um, but there's a certain level of it that becomes um, uh, inherently odd, I think, to the American people when you're talking about things like. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, transgendered people playing in women's sports, for example. There's like a line like that where like a mom who might be Mm -hmm. incredibly progressive and very liberal just looks at this and say, wait a minute, this guy is going to go beat my daughter at the cross country race. And, you know, right or wrong, there is there's a level where I think because they're all competing to get as far down this road as they can, they're violating something that's like uh, that doesn't seem right just to the average American person.
2: Yeah, I agree. And look, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a social liberal by some stretches of the definition. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't qualify now based <laughs> on what what what's required in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'm a fairly tolerant person on even on trans issues. Uh, but but the. It, that you can't even have sort of questions about like, you, because there are, there are some hard cases, like the things sure. you just brought up. Well, mm-hmm. how do we decide who gets what's facilities? But I think it's totally reasonable for people to have like good faith. Like some of this is hard and we have to kind of work at this and it might take case by case. Uh, it may, in a, each example, we might have to do something differently. Maybe there isn't a national federal policy that we can force on all schools and all parents at once Mm -hmm. that would possibly capture the nuance of every individual situation (laughs) that's Um, a wild theory there you can't but you can't say that you're they say you're that you're a bigot for even kind of expressing that idea and that's i think the resistance to the kind of warren style no we figured we figured this all out already we figured it out yesterday and we hate you you're a hateful you're a hateful person for not having immediately agreed to what we just decided on yesterday. That kind of approach is so alienating, not just to conservatives, but I think also to kind of moderates or people who are not taking like a socially, like religious conservative position on these issues, but nevertheless think it's sometimes a little complicated and a little difficult to figure out.
0: I think think you're totally right there. And and another example of this comes from a, a topic that you've covered quite a bit, Which and I've heard this from so many moms around, uh, uh, you know, in in, in my circle and in others, listeners and everything else, where every every mother of a daughter wants their daughter protected. Let's say in college from someone Mm -hmm. violating them in some terrible way. Every mother wants that, and we all want to make sure that anyone who does anything wrong in that realm is punished to the fullest extent of the law. No one is okay with that. But they also see their sons and they see their sons. Hey, they're at college and they might have a girlfriend and there might be a bad breakup. And all of a sudden it's her word against my 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 sons. And he has no chance to even go in front of uh, these kangaroo courts and even argue their opinion. And I think that type of that level of wokeness, if you will, is the type of thing that if Democrats don't get it under their under control, they are not going to be able to compete for the middle of the country.
2: Yeah, or it, it it could be your father, or your grandfather, and it could be something from thirty or forty years ago mm-hmm. that there is no way to adjudicate now. I mean, that's what I think terrified so many people during the whole Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I you know I, I talk to people who are kind of moderate, who are you know I would not describe as like pro Trump or anything, but who were you know women, and I the, I think the thinking of the left. Was like okay, well, women are gonna you know hate this guy because he's been. They're gonna imagine you know women being mistreated by someone like him. But I think a lot of people, a lot of women, are thinking, well, someone could just come out of the woodwork and accuse uh, my sons or my husband or my or my brother or my father, and it would be totally unfair, and there'd be no way to respond to these charges because no one remembers, um, and that's. You know, that's That's scary. (laughs) That's alarming for everyone. I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to say, well, I'm a feminist. I'm an older school feminist who wanted equality for women who wanted the same treatment for women. And and what I'm seeing, for instance, on college campuses is not um, equal treatment, but uh, a sort of almost patronizing treatment of women that they can't take care of themselves. And that and that we, we have to like throw away due process in these kinds of scenarios um, that they, that, you know, even liberals object to liberals uh, used to be good on due process. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's a very punitive kind of the sort of believe, you know, intrinsically believe accusations, um, that the activists insist we do. And, and the, the democratic party it's not their members. It's not the base. It's the leadership. It's the media allies that have been captured by that mindset. It's not it's not most it's not most of them. It's just it's the people who speak for them and who who write, who script the narrative. Yeah. Um, and that it, it must be pretty frustrating to be a Democratic voter who doesn't who isn't on board a, a, on that. There's millions of you, but you can't do anything about it.
0: Yeah. There's that kind of uncanny valley thing that going on, I think, you know, like the example from the uh, from the media recently. I can't stand Michael Bloomberg. He's like my, one of my least favorite politicians on earth. I do not like Chris Matthews at all. Um, but they, they had this situation where supposedly Mike Bloomberg did, made this joke many years ago, which he was getting in trouble with. It was seemed to be the central issue of the campaign for Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren goes on Chris Matthews show and, um, and Chris Matthews said, well, what, what evidence do you have that he actually said this? And he, she says, well, it was his, her words. And he, well, he said, I think a really fair question for a journalist to ask, well, how, what evidence do you have to believe, uh, her over him? That question was so offensive, it essentially had Chris Matthews losing his job. The fact that he didn't reflexively side with Elizabeth Warren, who has no knowledge of the situation whatsoever other than a news report, over a person who was actually there. Now, Bloomberg very well may have said that. He probably did. But just asking the question, do you have any evidence to support your accusation, was enough to get this guy who's been there for 650 years fired. It's it's a really weird world.
2: Uh, uh, Totally. And Elizabeth Warren has has some credibility issues in my mind. I Mm -hmm. think it's total. I mean, she should be grilled anyway, because she's a candidate for the presidency. She's a politician. Um, But and actually that incident kind of reflects exactly my concern about sort of me too stuff going too far. Because now Chris Matthews has said he he really did it. He admitted Mm -hmm. when he, he announced he was stepping down he said things um, that he he shouldn't have said that were sexist in nature that weren't always well received. Yes. Um, Sometimes they were well received. There were also women on Twitter saying we had a you know, it was perfectly mutual and it was fine. uh, But not everyone felt like that. So that's fine. But but then those same people saying the things that he'd said in the past were sexist, he shouldn't say them. They also said that him grilling Warren in that way was akin to the sexism, was like falling on the same spectrum of behavior. <laughs> and that is crazy yeah. to say that it is just like sexual harassment to be just like harshly scrutinizing or questioning a-, a woman. If you're a journalist, that's the job of, like, what are you doing if you're not doing that? You're, the job of journalists is to be skeptical, is to ask these important questions. And we're we're not drawing, you know, we're conflating the the actual sexual harassment with that. Um, so I, I thought it was very undignified the way they sort of just got rid of him over over all that and, and spoke to the new power of this very punitive uh, Me Too feminism that I think uh, that I think has done plenty of good, but also goes too far sometimes. And this was a good example of that. Mm.
0: All right, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Robbie Suave, the latest piece is Democratic primary voters decisively rejected the media's favorite candidates. You can get that in anything Robbie does is always great and worth reading. Thanks so much for coming on the program, Robbie. My pleasure. Have, uh, we'll be back in a second. Hi, I'm Stuber here. I'm pretty sure I have the coronavirus or allergies. Please pray for me. Uh, we have a, uh, a a bit of a situation going on here with the media, who is just completely ignoring the facts when it comes to COVID-19 with an attempt to try to bash Donald Trump. We did a big segment on this yesterday. If you missed it, go back to the archives. You can see them all uh, on YouTube. Uh, if you just subscribe, you'd know it was there already. But they have all the back issues, or all the back episodes there. And you can go to blazetv.com slash use the promo code Stu, save 10 bucks, and get all the archives. Um, but it's worth going back to see because medical experts actually are agreeing with what Donald Trump had said the other day um, about the mortality rate being a lot lower than we uh, expect. Um, right now, it's being reported at 3.4 percent, which is incredibly high. However, this is what happens when you have a breakout like this. It looks really high early on and usually comes down later on. That's what Trump was trying to communicate. And he said at one point, it's, it looks like it's going to be, I don't know, somewhere like a, you know 1 percent, maybe a, a good deal less than 1 percent. Well, here's the latest update uh, from the experts. You tell me what he says. The typical mortality rate for seasonal flu is about 0.1 0.1% percent or 0.15 percent. The best estimates now of the overall mortality rate for COVID-19 is somewhere between 0.1 percent and 1 percent. I mean, it, it, this is this is not something we're making up. We don't have to stretch on this one. The facts, the science are is, is on our side here, and it's important that people actually understand that. Um, you know, watching this all happen. It's been a bit of an embarrassment, honestly. I mean, we're going to get to a point next week where we have about a million new tests. We're going to be able to have a better handle on how big of a problem this is. You know, you'd love it to go faster. You'd love ever to have every answer. But the truth is, this is something that humans have never dealt with before. So we're dealing with it now. There's travel all around the globe. There's a video going around of Bill Gates saying, hey, um... This is going to happen at some point. The chances are basically 100% we're going to have a breakout. This is a few years ago. We do know this, and I will say this, as a person who is libertarian-leaning and somebody who believes there should be uh, very little government uh, intervention on anything, infectious disease, viral uh, situations like this are one of the things that the government can be involved in and has done a good job in uh, at times in the past. So hopefully this continues now. Um, Let me go uh, to... Uh, our montage here. I'm going to skip a, a clip here and go to the montage. Um, this is a, a clip of what's happening in the media since the impeachment went down. Now, you remember, the impeachment was going to be the worst thing in the world. Donald Trump's the worst guy in the world. He never really seemed to have much of anything on the impeachment, in my opinion. Uh, but listen to the narrative being echoed all over the place since all of that went down. Watch.
1: The president of the United States is a man on a mission. It is a dangerous mission, dangerous to our democracy. That's not hyperbole, it's just the truth. Sit back and listen.
0: An emboldened president threatens the rule of law like
1: never before. You thought Donald Trump was wild Unbound before? This is just the beginning. This is a whole different game. Frankly, he seems more, more emboldened, emboldened than, than ever. ever. A president emboldened, a Justice Department under his thumb. Emboldened. 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 Bolden. 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 Bolden, you might say who has
2: done the emboldening.
1: What does it mean for
0: him to be emboldened? We watch him like a bullfighter watches a bull, and we watch him, and we notice one thing about him he gets emboldened. He's angry, he's vengeful, he's petty. Unleashed, unchained, unshackled. He is unleashed,
2: mm-hmm. he is furious. Going scorched earth, lashing out and ready to take revenge.
0: Now he is uh, on his vengeance tour. Who needs to pay the price for this? Who needs to uh, you know, be, be taken out? Is the
1: president so emboldened that no one will stop him? There just yeah. seems to be not much anyone can do about it. What, what are the Democrats going to do? Impeach him? Are there any guardrails left in this administration? What are Republicans going to do? Speak out against him? There's <laughs> nothing that can stop him.
0: This is what's hilarious about all of this is this is the obvious consequence. If you go after an impeachment, which is like the crown jewel of get this president out of the White House in the Constitution and you fail with it. You don't fire that bullet unless you're really sure you're going to hit somebody with it. Um, and they fired this constitutional bullet at the president and, you know, it, it fell about 400 yards short. And if you actually believed he was this horrible a person that was going to be emboldened, you would have never done this. Now they've done it, and what are you going to do, impeach them again? It's just a ridiculous situation. We'll come back with more in a second. I'm joined now by longtime conservative talk show host and former award-winning investigative journalist Grant Stinchfield. He's also the founder of Adopt AR. Did you know each year thousands of AR-15s age out in the adoption system? Sad. All these cute little buggers want to do is have an owner to protect and someone they can love. And thank you so much for starting that wonderful charity, Grant. We appreciate it. (laughs)
1: I want to start that charity. <laughs> it yeah, kind of I mean, sounds I'm great, like, right? I need to start Adopt AR. It's great. Open up a Venmo.
0: I'll take. I'll get. I'll get you started. Right, uh, perfect. It's a good one. Um, thanks for coming down. Um, I uh, I'm interested in your take on the coronavirus because first of all, it's the only thing you're allowed to talk about. I think now right. uh, today, uh, and you know, I think it hits a couple of different things. One. Um, you know, there's this media reaction to Trump, and of course they have to say how terrible he's handling it. That's just like a requirement. Uh, But two, it is, I think, a legitimately scary thing for a lot of people. It's kind of a a crazy unknown. What do you think is going
1: on with it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think when you look at what the mainstream media has done, they have taken this and they've weaponized it against President Trump. And the bottom line is they've weaponized it against America. I don't know if you're like me, but I looked at my 401ks, Getting hammered. Yeah, I don't get it. Hammered. And so what people need to know is this is how strongly the mainstream media feels about taking President Trump out of office, that they're willing to ruin you financially. And that's what they're doing. The stock market has nothing to do with the economy right now. It has everything to do with hype. I spent over 20 years in the mainstream media, working my way through the NBC system before I woke up and realized this is a bogus system and got the hell out. Yeah. Uh, one thing that the media is great at is it's sensationalism of just about everything. You look at it with guns, you look at it with mass shootings, you look at it now with the coronavirus and add in that that they think they can hurt President Trump and conservatives, well then it, it's like a perfect storm for them.
0: I definitely want to get into the election because I, I do think their cleanest path to getting rid of Donald Trump is the economy being poor. Right? If that happens, he is vulnerable. right? If he's seen as being incompetent or something when it comes to handling this, it is going to be a problem for him. So it definitely seems like they're trying to exploit that. But do you think that there is like, are you are you worried about it as a real thing? Do you think that this uh, that this could be a, a real health threat to the uh, to the American people?
1: I, I'm worried about it less than I am worried about the flu. And so the reason I do that is I just look at the numbers I, I saw on Fox Business. They said 32 million flu cases in the 2019-2020 flu season and we're what with coronavirus 90,000 I know it grows every day but compared to 2 million yeah. yeah i mean this is this is nothing compared to what the flu does and the flu kills people far more people than the coronavirus does
0: yeah i mean it's it's really wild it's 60,000 people in the united states i think it was 2017 or 18 die from the flu that just seems completely insane to me but it It kind of makes me think like we should be worrying a lot more about the flu, Uh,
1: not less about coronavirus, but more about the flu. I I told you before the show started, my mother and father from New York, God bless them, but they are liberals. (laughs) And my father is texting me, well, what about the people that came down with it, the coronavirus? And he's 76 years old. He's he's worried about himself, which which, which, you know, I, I get it. But I said, what about the forgotten victims of the flu? We got a lot more of them that are dying of yeah. this and nobody's talking about those poor souls. Yeah, it's true. Right. Nobody <laughs> seems to care.
0: No. Uh, you know, I, I was we did this thing yesterday on Donald Trump being criticized for something that the media knew he was right on. I mean, he said, you know, the three point four percent mortality rate was too high. And he said, you know, I've got a hunch it's a little too high. It's going to be more like, you know, probably you know, more like one percent or less. And we went through all the all these experts, medical expert after medical expert after medical expert, saying the exact same thing, except not in Trump's language. Right. Like lots of big five syllable words and sounding like doctors instead of Trump, who's saying it off his cuff. But he's actually communicating the real situation, which is we think it's not going to be all that bad in the end. But there's still some uncertainty there. And the media, who knows exactly what he's talking about, intentionally ignore what he's trying to do just so they can get their headlines, their rage clicks. You know, they they put it out there. Trump is trying to solve this problem on a hunches. That is something that feels like it is um,
1: uh, unique to the Trump era. Yeah. I mean, they know how Trump talks. Yeah, he talks off the cuff. It's it's a very common theme among New York businessmen to talk like that. Um, And so so that's how he talks. But when you look at the mortality rate and again, I go back to I was an investigative reporter. I do my research. New England Journal of Medicine came out with a big study that backs up the whole idea that maybe two percent mortality rate and the two percent mortality rate is the exact same mortality rate as the flu. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, it was I think it's point point one or point two for the flu. So it could be it could be worse, but it could. It, we don't know. Right. Like as they say over and over again, wh- th- those mortality rates are only really worthwhile after the outbreak. That's right. Because you don't know how many people have it. We don't even have tests to find out how many people have it yet. And they're going after it because this is what they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And this goes to the, the wider, I think, the issue of the election, right? Can you imagine, first of all, trying to go through a, a situation like this with Medicare for all? I mean, that would be, I, I can't even imagine what that would look like.
1: You know, on my radio show, I had someone from Canada talk about the healthcare system there, and they had a brain tumor. And there was a, a weight. To get operated on in Canada, for brain tumor. So they geez. came to the United States and got operated here. Well, our healthcare system's great, uh, but you don't want to wait to get a brain tumor operated. <laughs> we go to this Medicare or Medicaid for all. Yeah, that's game over as far as we know it, as quality healthcare and getting it in a timely fashion. And I promise you, the big scam of this whole thing is they want to tell you that people are being kicked out onto the street and not getting healthcare. Have they ever been to Parkland Hospital? Anybody can walk into any hospital in America. Forget about the county hospital. Any hospital in America, they will treat you.
0: Yeah, no, it's the law, right? Mm-hmm. So are you of the, because uh, um, I've gone back and forth on this about 27 times. are smiling. I can't yeah, wait I, to uh, hear what you're ask. Are you of the belief that you want to face Bernie Sanders because he's easier to defeat? Or are you of the belief you'd rather have Joe Biden because Bernie S- Sanders is uniquely scary To me, I've I've come down, I think, on the side of like, I just don't want Bernie. I do not want a socialist as president of this country. Joe Biden would suck really bad, but I do not want a socialist. I'd rather take that possibility off the table if it's at all possible.
1: If President Trump loses, freedom as we know it in America goes out the door, whether it's guns, whether it's health care, whether it's a judicial system, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden. Right. But I will say this. I think Bernie Sanders is easier to beat but I am with you. God forbid some fluke happens. We have these blind liberal zombies and they show up in droves to to vote for this man and he wins? That's devastating. Yeah. So I'd rather have a Joe Biden over a Bernie Sanders, but I'd rather have a President Trump over either one of them by far. So I'm kind of caught in the middle. Like, yeah, there's a safety net, some respects, in Bernie Sanders. You know, Sarah Gonzalez asked me this question the other day and she said, is it like like getting stabbed? You know, if you have Bernie Sanders, I said, well, if you have Joe Biden, it's like getting stabbed too. Bernie Sanders stabs you with a machete. Joe Biden stabs you with a kitchen knife. Either way, (laughs) you're getting stabbed. It still hurts. Yeah, it still still hurts. hurts.
0: I I think the watching, you know, by uh, back in 2016, when Trump was on his way to the nomination, my my in my head, the person I really kind of wanted him to be against was Biden, because I thought it would be a fun Matchup. Hillary Clinton sucked. Like she was not fun. You couldn't get anything out of she that. Got
1: fun? You don't see her as the no. <laughs> she's not.
0: She's not. She could barely walk. At that time, and you go back to 2012, 2016. There's a little fire in Joe Biden. You know, like he he even though he was ridiculous and he, he had gaffes all the time, he at least had energy. He would he would come back at you. He'd talk over you. He you know he, there was something there. That's not there anymore you in know, 2020.
1: Well, it's not. But, but what you're describing is the who would you want to have a beer with. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah kind of. And, and you know what? I'd sit down and have a beer with Joe Biden. Yeah. I bet you he could tell some funny stories. Mm-hmm. He might get some of them wrong and forget a bunch <laughs> of them right now, but he could probably tell you some funny stories. Yeah. I do not want to have a beer with Bernie Sanders. You know how brutal that would be Ugh. to sit and have a beer with this miserable old mother scratcher? Oh, he's, uh, <laughs> he is humorless. He uh, is miserable. I, I, has he
0: ever had five minutes of happiness in his life? I, I couldn't so. detect it if he has. No. Um, with Biden, it's interesting, though, I think in 2016, it, it may have been a difficult battle against Biden in some ways. Biden's so much more likable than a Hillary Clinton. It may have been more difficult. Mm-hmm. This version of Joe Biden is eminently beatable. This 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 should not be a problem for Donald Trump, especially with the economy looking like this. Joe
1: Biden has brought this, by the way, on himself. Right. So he keeps having all of these gaffes one after yeah. the other. And you take one individually like the other day is meet my sister and it's his wife. <laughs> meet my wife. If it's his sister uh, like i get how that could happen to something right you're on the campaign but the fact that it happens every single day yeah makes it really difficult for him and i related it back to i got a buddy of mine who was really having a problem of missing short putts <laughs> and we play for a little bit of money on the course yeah so i told him we got back in the cart i said you know what happens to you keep missing these short putts is we're gonna make you putt everything mm-hmm. right That's what we're doing to Joe Biden. Every comment he makes now is being dissected because he's missing so many short pups. Yeah.
0: And it's in his head now, too. Mm -hmm. You know, he's constantly I think this a little bit of this happened to George W. Bush when he would have remember at the beginning when he was running, he had those moments where he would kind of have the brain farts and he'd say the wrong thing. And and after a while, I think that just starts feeding into itself. It it gets into his head. I'm torn on. it. I think part of it is just honestly, the, the faculties are slowing down. Hopefully it's not anything serious, but it it seems like with Biden, they're slowing down a little bit. When
1: Joe Biden's your youngest male candidate running for president, you're
0: (laughs) in big trouble. I mean, to open it up, I mean, Trump is the spry youngster in this race. Right. Right. Like he's (laughs) 71, 72. I mean, this is incredible. Um, But if you look at uh, at Biden, they tried to do this thing uh, where they they did this big profile of him and, and said that he when he was young, he was a stutterer. And they're trying to say that it's not his mental faculties going. It's that he had a stuttering issue when he was young. He was able to defeat it, and now it's coming back later in life. Do you
1: believe the stuttering story? I'm I'm, not not sure I believe it's like Corn Pop.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that story about him and the gangster. Do you, believe, do you believe the story about the kids underneath the pool playing with his leg hair? That one? <laughs> that I believe. That you believe. <laughs> that I believe. <laughs> don't, see, they, they say, don't say we're not bipartisan. We believe Joe Biden on this one
1: thing. On this one thing. He's creepy and he does like kids playing with his leg hair, I guess.
0: <laughs> so if Biden gets the nomination, which I think, I mean, he's the overwhelming favorite now uh, to at least get a plurality going into the... Am two I
1: two crazy two. that I still have long shot money on Hillary and Michelle?
0: Uh-huh, you know, <laughs> I feel like Hillary, yes... But Michelle, maybe. I mean,
2: as a team, as a
0: team. Yeah. If Michelle came in, uh, she'd be very difficult to handle. We've had O'Reilly on before. O'Reilly's like, if Michelle comes in, he's Trump's in big trouble. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's true. The
1: thing is, so, so, you know, we say this like half joking. You never know. I mean, the Democrats are we know that they cheat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're going to cheat within their own system if they if they want. They will get their way. They will cheat if they can but you wonder how in the world would they do it i guess they could pull it off if they wanted something because i say it half jokingly but in some respects i'm like you know i wouldn't be shocked if somehow you know the music starts playing and flashing and (laughs) out comes hillary and michelle well i think the most plausible way there is
0: you know if it's looking really bad for biden at one point biden says you know what health problems i got to step out and if he steps out after the convention or right before the convention they probably would have to just come up with somebody. And I don't think could, they're not going to give it to Bernie. They don't want to. They, no. they clearly, I will say this. They didn't. They have one real ideological socialist in this race, and they did do everything they could to stop him from getting the nomination. I think it's mostly because
1: they thought he would lose. But still, I'm glad that occurred. You know, when I looked at and especially our home state of Texas, we broadcast here yeah. in Texas. I live here in Texas. And and the fact that Biden won in Texas when it was when it was predicted that Bernie was going to take Texas, yeah. even among Democrats, I said, at least I have some faith that they're not all complete <laughs> loony bins. <laughs> That's nice. They're just minor loony bins.
0: Minor loony bins. <laughs> right. All right, one more question before we go. Yeah. Uh, if, if Joe Biden wins this nomination... I think him picking a VP is going to be one of the biggest it's going to be maybe the biggest moment of this campaign and also one of the most important VP selections of all time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I I think most people look at Joe Biden and say, I don't know if he's going to even want to stay in office
1: for four years. Any sense on who you think he might pick? So I, I will first and I don't often disagree with you, but I disagree that VP candidates are very important.
0: I usually am with you on this, but with Biden, he looks so mentally vulnerable that I, you know, you he could is. picture two years in. He's just like, you know what? I'm having health issues. I need to step down. So,
1: so the question then becomes: Does he pick a socialist to to satisfy that yeah. left wing faction of the party, or does he pick someone that he may agree with on whatever road yeah. he's going down? I've often thought. Kamala Harris, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it checks a lot of boxes, and the Democrats like to check boxes. It has nothing to do with your oh, politics. No. It's just checking boxes. Yeah. She checks some boxes for them. She does. Grant Stinchfield. Where can people find you? Uh, Stinchfield, seventeen seventy-six. Um, Twitter, Instagram. On the Twitters, right. yes. On the social media. I Go don't get do Grant. enough of it. I know. I'm,
0: I'm the same way. <laughs> thanks <laughs> I for having me. On. Uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Back in a second. Every day I come in here and try to make this show as much like backbreaking labor for you to watch or listen to as possible. That's why stewdoesamerica.com has all the links for you to do all the things I need to ask you to do like subscribe and follow and and, and all those things.
2: Thanks for watching.